This week we did a little study on uh, on Rahab, the uh, prostitute, and what the Bible says about her. And it was interesting some of the things that we uh, we found out. <clears throat> this woman who was justified by faith, who had a sinful life, who by faith believed that God was the God of the Israelites, was the living God, that she feared that God more than she feared the wrath of the king of Jericho and her loyalty to the to him, and that she risked her own life by receiving the spies. And when we read in Hebrews 11, it says that by faith she received these spies in peace. And we found out something very interesting that uh, according to the genealogy that Rahab uh, married a man named Sal- Salmon, and their son was Boaz. Um, according to, I mean, there's some uh, dispute on that, but from the scriptures based on the gene- genealogy and things, it, it seems to be true that uh, Rahab was, was actually in the lineage of through where Jesus Christ came. And that just speaks of what Jesus can do. Because if Jesus can take a woman who, according to society, is seen as such a sinful and despised woman and uh, can make her a woman of honor and purify her, and so that a man of Israel who, according to the law, do you know what the laws of in Deuteronomy 7 says? You shall not marry a Canaanite or intermarry with them. And if you go into battle, you shall utterly destroy them, everything. So according to the law, if, if they would have listened to the, just the law of God and not lived by the law of liberty or the law of Christ, which this woman found in, in Jesus by faith, she would have been uh, killed and there's no possible way she would ever have gotten married. There's no way. But here, so one of these men saw this woman who was justified by faith. She came to believe in God, ends up marrying a man and has a son, a righteous man, Boaz, who ends up having compassion on another woman who was uh, despised in Israel, which was a Moabite, a woman named Ruth who had been married and widowed. And so the son of Rahab marries uh, Ruth, and through her comes, was it Obed? And then Jesse, right? And then David. So I I was quite amazed by this testimony. I just thought, that's amazing what God can do. You can be, just imagine yourself in a sinful place like, a woman there living a life just of slavery to sin. You know, bringing, she lived on the roof and the wall and the, as merchants would come in, you know, she would take them in and she would sell herself to them. That's just the lifestyle she knew. She probably got stuck in it. Maybe she even realized that she, she probably knew that her life there in Jericho wasn't worth living and she saw there's a God out there that can do miracles. She was afraid of that God, but she also not only was she afraid, she also believed that God would receive her. That's amazing to have that kind of faith. So the Bible makes mention of her and gives this prostitute woman a testimony in the Bible. That's amazing. That someone can, we need to have this, this kind of faith that we can, when we're stu- stuck and struggling in some area of our life, it doesn't matter what people think. A lot of people would have thought a lot of things about Rahab, but what matters is what God thought about her. Because God's the one who justifies. God's the one who accepts us and God's the one who blesses people. Just look at her life, look at her son, 
she would have only imagined that the Christ, the Messiah, would have come through her body, through the lineage. That It would have been too wonderful for her to think of that. But what uh, I was thinking of as I was thinking of these things, that it says that she believed the promise of uh, the spies when they came in. They, did you know that they made her a promise? Because Greg was sharing about promises this morning, right? So everything... That, Everything new with faith has to do with believing in a promise because faith is based on what God says. That's what faith is. When you have faith in something, it has to be, a faith that is stable has to be based on what God, if God says it and you believe it, it it's accounted to you as, as righteousness. God will accomplish what, you, what he says if you believe it in your life, if you hold fast to it. So this woman had faith because they, they made a deal there, and she said, look, she said, um, she, she hid them in there, in the stalks and the flax up on the roof, as the, and then the king and the, his men came. And they said, look, don't tell any of this business to, to anyone, and we will spare your life when we come to possess this land and, and conquer your city. And they said, our life or your life? And she said, okay. And they made that promise to her. They gave her a promise. If you... Spare my, our lives right now and don't tell this business as we leave, then we'll spare your life. And they said, just do this one thing and we will be sure to spare you. And she said, she even, she had the faith, not only for herself, but she said, spare me, my father, my mother, all my family. She, she asked, right? So think of this. If you don't ask, you don't receive, right? Do you think that they would have spared her family if she wouldn't have asked? Probably not. The law said you kill them all. That's what the law said. But here's a woman of faith. Not only she has faith that perhaps they would spare her life, she says, save my whole family. Can you imagine if you had faith like that for your family members and for yourself struggling in sin and those who don't know Jesus? So they said to her, you take this scarlet um, cloth and you hang it down the roof or through your window down the wall. And when they would see this scarlet cloth hanging down, they would know that's the one that we need to spare, that, that woman there and her family. And so this is, a, is typically symbol, symbolic of, I believe, this robe that hung down there symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed. The sacrifice of Jesus, as you imagine from a distance, if you'd see that red cloth hanging down the wall, it would be like blood poured out. And of course, they wouldn't have understood at the time, but I believe in the scripture that was there to symbolize that the red scarlet robe, but there would be a sacrifice made, a shedding of blood. And I believe that that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient, even for that harlot back in those days, as it says in Romans 3, that Jesus passed over the sins in his forbearance, previously committed, waiting until the day that he would be sacrificed, so that those who believed in him back then, by faith, could be justified and freed, even though the sacrifice of the Messiah had not yet been made for them. That when Jesus would reveal everyone, so even Paul said in Acts, he said, in former times God, you know, didn't command men to repent everywhere because, but now he says, now that Jesus is preached, the, the measure of what's necessary is there must be repentance from sin and faith towards the name of Jesus. To believe in who, Jesus Christ because now he's been revealed, the Son of God. Back then Jesus wasn't, the name of Christ wasn't revealed. They just believed in the God of Yahweh or Jehovah. So, 
she let down that scarlet cloth and they saw it and it was a sign. And that promise, they said, if you do this, we will spare your life. And she had a promise. She held to the promise and her life was spared. And I want to read in, uh, in Romans chapter 4 about, it talks about faith and it talks about the promises as well here. Some of the things Greg was sharing on. And it says in verse 13 that Abraham received promises. Abraham was a man that received a lot of promises from God. Now, if you want to have faith in God, you need to know his promises. Where, where do you think the promises of God, you're going to find them? That's in the, in the word of God, right? So what happens if we don't know the word of God? What if we just kind of go by our own feelings? Well, if we have the word of God, we, we know what God is saying, then we can hold to those promises. Because like we heard this morning about his divine nature, we can be partakers of his divine nature through his precious promises. So when we know what the word of God says, we can apply it to situation. Even Jesus Christ, when Satan came to tempt him, he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy three times. He knew that book. It wasn't just uh, genetically implanted in him because he was the son of God. No, I believe he was the son of man and he, he studied the Bible like you and me because the Bible says he was like us in every way. He learned the word of God. Even Jesus, if Jesus had learned the word of God, I don't, we don't put it past us that we need to know what are the promises of God. Abraham, God spoke to him. He received the promises. And God can speak in our hearts, but he also has given us confirmation in it through his word. And the word of God affirms these things so that we can hold them fast. When temptation comes, it's like the scriptures is like an anchor, you know, for our soul. When, when our mind wants to get buffeted by, or we allow ourselves to get buffeted by the enemy in thoughts and get discouraged, where does discouragement come from? It's like a boat that has no anchor. You just be out there tossed to and fro. Eventually you'll just get carried further and further and further away out in the ocean. But you know, when, when those boats get close to the, to the shore there, they, they see there's danger. What do they do? They see the danger, they throw down the anchor. That's the first thing they do. Because they know that if they're anchored there, the boat it can get tossed as much as it wants, but it, won't, it can only go so far. It's, it's kind of anchored down to the, to, the, to the ground. So our hope, you know that the scripture says in Hebrews that our hope is like an anchor to our soul? So when the de- what, what do you think the devil wants to do? He wants to rob you of, of the hope in your life. So how is he going to rob you of your hope? Probably if he gets you to sin, sin always discourage, discourages us, doesn't it? Because when we commit a sin, what happens? We feel guilt and shame. If you get in an argument with your husband or wife or whatever, you just feel like you messed up, you blew it, and then now you just feel discouraged. If you sin against God in your heart, in your heart or in your mind, you don't have confidence before God. But here's, we can look from a story of Abraham, we can look at the, this woman, the prostitute woman, who they, they believed God is good. They believed God could show mercy, that God could save her. And it was like an anchor. And Abraham had this anchor for him because he, God said, leave this land and go to where I'm going to tell you. And he didn't know what was going, where he was going, what he was going to do in his life. So maybe you're like that. Maybe you don't know what, what God has planned for your life. Maybe you kind of feel like you're just wandering and you're just wondering, what does God have for me? But God, number one, what you know God wants to do is he wants to conform you to the image of Jesus. So you don't have to know what kind of job you're going to, who, who you're going to marry, what house you're going to have, what what car he should buy and 
so many things you can think about, all these things. One thing that, the most important thing is, God wants to make us like Jesus. Do you know what? He wants to make you like his son. That's, the, that's why he sent Jesus Christ in the earth. He wants to make you exactly like Jesus. Do you know what it says that? In Romans eight twenty nine, Conform you to the image of Jesus. That is what God predestined you. He predetermined you should be like him. Does that mean you're supposed to look like him, dress? No. It means he wants your nature to be like Christ, to love, joy, uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all the things of Christ. How can you be like Jesus? No one, every, we all have sin, right? We all, how? There's only one way. We have to believe that the word of God, the promises of Christ can conform us into his image as we feed. You know what Jesus said? Do you know in one place Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood? The Catholics thought, well, that means we, when we take the communion, his, his, uh, actually his, his body, the bread becomes his body, and then I eat it. His, his, uh, that wine becomes his blood, and I drink it. That's what the Catholics think. That's not what Jesus meant. He said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It means when we partake of the flesh and blood of Jesus, it's like eating of the word of God. Because it also says, Jesus said in the Bible, it says, the word was with God and the word was God. Does that mean this is Jesus? Should I eat this? Naturally, you see how the Catholics got, mess, got that messed up? So when we feed on his word, you know, remember what Jesus said? You know what he said to his, his disciple after that? He said, they said, this is crazy. The things he's saying is crazy. He, they said, who can listen to this man? And Jesus said, my words are spirit. They're, they're not flesh. The words that I speak are spirit. So it's like when we eat him, we become like him. Because when you eat... You know, you eat something good, it, it's going to be healthy for you. If you eat something maybe unhealthy, something bad, it's probably not going to be good for you. If you eat certain types of things, yeah, you might get some disease or cancer. It can happen. But it's, think about this. What happens if you, if you feed on the lusts of the world? What if you listen, watch the media and you watch the world and you just, you just love it? And you just, it's feeding on that. Then what happens? You get conformed to the world. That's what the Bible says. Do not... Be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But if you feed on the word of God and you believe in the promises of God and you start to partake of his flesh and blood in that sense and that you live as Christ, you will become like Christ. You, you, you are what you eat kind of thing. You just feed on him. And that's how we get conformed to Jesus. And it starts with faith and it begins to turn into obedience but you know what? When we, when we see that God has had mercy, we have to see how much mercy He's shown to us, that He wants to save us from our sins. And then we start, have this love for Jesus that compels us. Even Paul said, the love of Christ compels me to serve Jesus, what He's done for me. I can imagine a woman like Rahab who just realizes, I've been so, shown so much mercy. I just want to please Jesus. I just want to do what He wants. Like the woman that was caught in adultery, I just wanted. I don't want to live that life anymore. Lord, help me. It's possible. He said, go and sin no more. That's a promise. Right there is a promise. That's a promise for me. It's a promise for you. Go and sin no more. I don't have to sin anymore. So the promises to Abraham were, Abraham, I'm going to make you an heir of of the world. That's a pretty big promise. Did it happen? Well, his seed, Israel, they, they possess the land of Canaan to this day. Even naturally, they have it. It's a witness. It's a witness for you and me. The nation of Israel is a natural witness to all, even Israel itself. And they know, 
God gave them the land. But more than that is his seed, which the Bible says was Christ. It's in us, as children of God, we, we inherit salvation in Christ. It says here, um, God gave Abraham a promise. Verse 16, for this reason is by faith, salvation is by faith, in, the, in that it might be accordance with grace. That's a gift. You believe it, and God says, I give it to you. I'll save you. It says, in order that the promise may be certain to all the seed or the descendants, not only to those of the law, but those who are the faith of Abraham. God will give, when God gives you a promise, anyone who believes it, not just the Rahab, not just Abraham, anyone who believes that promise in Jesus Christ can receive a salvation from their sins, a salvation from their life in this world that is ungodly and unchristlike. And here's the promise. God said, A father of many nations I have made you, in the sight of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Listen to what it says. You'll see right when he talks about the promises, the next thing he talks about is hope. Because we have that's what we hope in is the promises. In hope against hope, he believed. What is hope against hope? It's like you hope contrary to what everything else in your life says it seems difficult or it's too hard or it does, the devil says it's not going to happen. You hope against hope because your mind and the devil and the flesh is always going to be speaking things against what the Word of God says. So a hope against hope he believed. And it says, Abraham, of course, you know he had to receive the promise that he was going to have a son, right? And, of course, he, he was about... 99 years old, 100 years old when, when that, he suddenly found the promise. And his wife was probably in her 90s. It was impossible. Okay, that's just a picture for us of that, that natural impossibility is like when I remember a time in my life where I was struggling with sin thinking it's impossible. How can I overcome? You know, or how can we become like Christ? Or how can I have this nature of kindness? How can I get gentleness and my meekness in my spirit? The Bible says that women should seek a gentle and a meek spirit. That's what the Bible says for women, and, and modesty and meekness. And men should be sober and temperate, self-controlled. The Bible says men should seek these things. And uh, so how do we get these things? The Bible says we're supposed to live like this. Do I have all these characteristics in the, in the Word of God? Well, we hope against hope, and we say, man, my body's as good as dead because of sin. It's like, it's, I don't see these things in me. But he didn't look at his body. He said, God said I can have a child, and so... It's possible. Maybe my body, maybe your body feels dead like that. And but look at it, it says here. It says he contemplated his, his own body. Yes, my body's dead. But with regard to the promise, verse twenty of Romans four, what does it say? He did not waver. You see that word waver? It's like the anchor. It's like the the waves coming. He did not waver in unbelief. Unbelief. Are, that's what the waves are. That gives a kind of a picture, right? When we waver, it's like getting tossed in unbelief, like the, the disciples were in the boat. The waves were tossing them, and they got afraid. When you feel fear and anxiety, I tell you, don't react and don't do things out of fear and anxiety because that's not from faith, it's not of God. The devil wants you to react in fear and, and out of anxiousness because then we sin. When we react in fear and anxiety, we sin. But it says that he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So if you want to glorify God, when you are in a temptation and a test in your life and things are being shaken around you, the Bible is a, is a promise here. If you trust God and 
and allow yourself not to be shaken in your mind. You give glory to God, even before the end result. And I'm encouraging that you can give glory. I just say, Lord, I am not going to become anxious. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be depressed. Lord, I'm going to trust you that you desire good in my life. And if you do that, it says right here, you grow strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's why Abraham was justified even before he did anything. He just believed it. And, and God says, yeah, that's righteousness. And being fully assured, now this is the defi- definition of faith right here, verse 21. Being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is faith. So if you don't know what the promise is, you won't be fully assured to believe that he can do it. But if you believe the promise in the word of God, then God will perform it in your life. If you need victory in your life and you're struggling, you say, Lord, I don't even know what the problem is. Lord, show me the word of God. Give me something in your scripture to give me, hold, to hold fast your promises. And look what it says. It says it was reckoned to him as righteous. God says you're righteous. And not only was it written for his sake, it says here, but for our sake also to whom it will be reckoned if we believe in Jesus Christ. That God will transform your nature, give you a new heart and a new spirit. And now in verse chapter 5, I just want to read. This is kind of the process. Now it kind of explains it a little bit here. If you read the next chapter, it explains how Abraham went from faith into receiving these promises. Now look at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, here's a, here's a sign that we're not walking in faith. What does it say? When we walk in faith, we have peace with God. So what happens when I lose my peace? Probably not in faith. We know if you get anxious, there's no peace in anxiety. It's the opposite, right? So when we're anxious, why are we anxious? Because we don't trust God. We don't believe. And then we lose our peace. So when I lose my peace, I know I'm I'm not trusting God. I'm not in faith. So when I walk in faith, when I don't know what's ahead of me, Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. And, and Rahab was like, she was afraid for her life, but she just had faith. And I believe she found this peace, just like Abraham. She found peace with God. Through whom we have obtained an introduction. So how do you get into the kingdom of heaven? You know that faith, faith is the introduction. That's what it says here. We have obtained an introduction by faith into something even greater. As we walk by faith, we get introduced to something else, which is grace. And what does grace do for us? In which we stand. Isn't that true? See why God justifies those who have faith? Because is it to say, I believe and I continue in my sin? We were talking about this. Do you think Rahab was uh, lived as a harlot after she came into among the Israelites? Obviously, obviously not. Because they would have probably stoned her. And she wouldn't have married a, a God-fearing man and probably wouldn't have been blessed with a God-fearing son, Boaz. So, and he, she's in the lineage and the Bible says she's a woman of faith. So all the witness of her faith shows that she believed. And this is what I want you to see is that her life was changed. Her life was changed from like a harlot to a woman, a righteous woman, based on what the scripture says. So by faith, she was introduced into a, gra- into a grace of type in a sense where she stood in a different life. Her life was changed. I'm sure, I'm sure they would have taught her the ways that God had taught those Israelites. She would have learned, this is the way you live. This is not the way to live. 
However you learn in Jericho, that's not, that's not right. So we stand when we're in the grace, in the hope of the glory of God. And you know what it says? James makes a comment about Rahab too. I don't know if you know in James chapter 2, he talks about Rahab. I just read this the other day as well. And it says in verse uh, 24 and 25, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So James knew that if we say we have faith, but we don't, if there's no action to it, faith of the works, he said, is dead. So this is what he used, the example of Rahab. We know she had faith because in Hebrews it says she was a woman of faith. But in verse 25 it says, in the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. So we, ha- we can't forget what she actually did, is she did something that would have cost her her life. So not only is faith believing that you serve the living God, but she, ble- she, she proved it by saying, I'll risk my life, and I'll take you into my house. We were talking about how, you know, the, the hiding place, how these people took those Jews in their house, and they say, how, you, how do you know they're Christians? Well, they risked their lives. They took these Jews in their house, they would have been sl- killed probably. Many of them were when they got found out. And they took them in and they, they, their faith stood for something. So when you believe it, you say, when you're with the people and you say, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that. I don't, I don't do those things. I'm not, I can't live that way anymore. Sorry, I'm serving Jesus now. Don't be afraid to say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian now. I don't do that. <clears throat> or, you need help? Come. Come to my house. Come have dinner with us. Receive you believe God can make you a blessing and maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you need to bless others and God will bless you. Sometimes we, we need encouragement, but sometimes we just have to say, Lord, I just want to give. And Jesus says it'll be given to you. Shaking, shaking together, running over, pressed down, pouring out. It says he's going to bless you. And sometimes we just need to trust him. So she received these spies and God rewarded her because she put her faith into action. So by faith, we get into the grace, and the grace gives us power to stand. And we hope in the glory of God. And not only this, I'm back in Romans 5, just finished with the verse. It says, not only this, but there's something else that we need to rejoice about. Not only that the faith that we have is going to change our nature into more like Jesus, is that when you now have Jesus Christ, something is going to change in your life that's different from when, when Jesus is not working in your life. And that is when you go through difficulty... In tribulations, the whole world changes. Do you know that? This world, when they go through tribulation without Jesus, what happens? What did Jesus say? No peace. Because he said, in this world you, you will have tribulation, but he said, in me you will have peace. So that means that when we go through tribulation, we can go through difficulties, and there might be times of sorrow and difficulty, but we can have a peace that passes all understanding. It comes from God. When we have Jesus Christ, we can have peace. And the world does not know this peace. That's why they fight. That's why there's division. That's why their people get angry. And that's why people just throw the towel in because they lose the grace. They lose their peace. And the house, like Jesus said, they, they've heard some things, but they don't act upon it. And the house crashes with a great crash. But the ones who believe the word of God and they hold it fast, when the winds beat on and the tribulations come and the tests come, they endure and the house stands. And that's a witness to people that you are in Christ. So we rejoice in tribulations because God says that we're Christians. We're going to go through many tribulations because people are going to 
respond to you a little differently. You know, as Christians, we should expect there's going to be difficulties. And the devil know it too. He's going to try and hinder us. But tribulation brings about perseverance. And I think Jesus taught the disciples that, that when they were going to serve Jesus, he said, look, there's only one way you're going to survive, is you're going to have to hold to the promise. Jesus said, we're going to the other side, and I'm going to preordain a little test for you so that you learn that if you believe what I say, when, you go through, when we're going to go through this storm, you guys are going to think, we're dying. No, Jesus, where are you? They went through the storm, said, Lord, we're perishing. He already knew it was going to happen, but he said, we're going to the other side, and he said, where is your faith? He was trying to teach them that in Jesus Christ, we can go through tribulation. If we trust God, we don't have to perish. But it says, knowing that tribulation brings about, what does tribulation do? If God's going to bring tribulation in your life or difficulty, it's for one purpose. This helps me. When I go through things and I say, I wish this was different. I wish this, I didn't have to go through this. You ever wish something that wasn't happened? One time the Lord just said, don't wish this for yourself. I didn't realize that I was sinning. I was wishing I was different or I was, this was different. I was wishing this. And you know what? That's like saying, God, you made a mistake. God, you made a mistake and I wish it wasn't like this. That's insulting to him. That's just, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't show that you trust him as a father. If you believe that he's taking you to the other side, you're going through the tribute and say, Lord, I don't understand it. It's not for, you don't have to understand. You just say, Lord, help me to trust you. You trust him with all your heart? You go through that tribulation. God's ordained for you to go through. You will gain something. It's called perseverance or, or endurance or patience. He'll give you something in your character that you never had before. And when you have that, God's doing it for your benefit so that you become more like Jesus and also so that you have something to be a witness for others. When you get perseverance, you can help others along. And perseverance, as it says here, is brings about a proven character. Not just a about a proven character it's like you've been tested that word proven is like a tried character right maybe like think of Joseph you think Lord why you just let me this Potiphar's wife she's always seducing me and tempting me why am I here Lord why are you allowing this what did Joseph get you know young men and, and we're going through temptation the Bible we can look at Joseph and say that guy he, he was really tempted and he persevered say so, Lord if he can overcome temptation i can overcome temptation the faith that he had he got a proven character he resisted those lustful temptations he was a man that had the same temptations as you and me and he didn't give in to the temptation and a proven character when you start to get a proven character you know what that actually does is you look and you see wow look what god has done and it builds your faith and gives you more hope so it says here proven character gives you hope so what do you think the opposite does? When you fail, and you fail the test, the devil robs you of hope. That's what he tries to do. But we need to remember that we fall seven times, we've got to get back up again. That's what a righteous man does because he believes. And when you overcome, you get hope, and hope does not disappoint you. If you're disappointed in your life or discouraged, you need, to get, you need a hope that comes from Jesus that doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. <clears throat> if, when we know that Jesus loves us and he gives us the Holy Spirit, he gives us strength and grace to go through all these temptations and trials and difficulties. And we need to remember, and this is what it says here, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Do you think someone would die for 
One would hardly die for a righteous man. Some people might give their life for, their, for a righteous man. People give their, would give their lives maybe for their children, but someone who's not, you don't know, maybe for a righteous man. But what about, would you ever give your life for someone who's ungodly? Would you, would you give yourself up for like an unrighteous person? Well, that's what God did for us. So God demonstrates his own love towards us while we were sinners, he died for us. Why, why does he write these things? So that we know that God loves us and loved us when we were sinners and how much more when we choose to turn from our sin that he will save us from and give us a new life. That's what it says here. If he justify us by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Okay? When Jesus died on the cross, his blood will save you if you believe in him from the wrath of God. God that comes on all sinners. But there's even better news. It says, we are reconciled. If we were reconciled through his death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved by his life? That is, we can live the life of Christ. We can be saved by the, the life. He didn't just die. Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ lives in us so that we can be united with him in his death, but also in the likeness of his resurrection as it says in Romans 6, to walk in newness of life. That's what it means to walk in the, with Christ in, in his resurrection. In newness of life, to live a life that's transformed into Jesus. <clears throat> so this is the hope that we have. Most people don't believe it. But if you want, you can have the faith of, like a woman like Rahab, to have a changed life. If you want that, you can have it. And like many people in the Bible, every one of them, sinners saved by grace, Every one of us, sin, sinful, every one of us, even if you can't see sin, if you are discouraged or helpless or hopeless, whatever's not from faith, it's sin. Jesus saves us from some of us in self-pity and discouragement and depression and there's all kinds of sins out there. But we need to walk in faith and hope. If, we're not, if we don't have the joy of the Lord, what kind of Christians can we be if we don't have joy from Jesus? I don't want to lose joy. I can get discouraged about things, but I want the Lord to, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we can hold, have faith, faith is your introduction, right? And then comes grace. And then you go through tribulations and you get perseverance and proven character. And then you get hope and the joy will come. And the grace will be there. So hold fast. See, these are, we've read some of the promises today and hold them fast. And remember the testimonies that we see in the scriptures for our encouragement, that the Bible says, so that when, when we're discouraged, you know, just feed on Jesus. Start encouraging yourself in the Lord. And it will produce, in Romans 15, there's a verse there, you can read Romans 15 about how encouragement comes through in believing, it says, and hope comes in believing. That's what it says. Amen.